Hello and welcome to a nameless live video here in the $42 UEFA Nations League Mania. <laughs> I actually can't even. <laughs> it's upon us. <laughs> the draw was made today in uh, Switzerland and Ireland have been drawn alongside our old and recent foes, Wales and who are the other ones? Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, how could I forget? Um, I'm Gavin Casey and joining me here is Ben Blake of the 42. Ben, how are things? Good, yeah. The suspense has been killing me all morning <sighs> waiting to find out who we get in, in the, the newly found... Nations League. Yeah, it's been a tense day here at uh, 42 Towers. Um, a lot of, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of suspense. Uh, ben, like, how excited are you by this concept, by this tournament? I mean, should we take it seriously? Do you care? Uh, like, we should care, but I, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to have to say. I know you're struggling to care, um, but <laughs> with so few big opportunities for Ireland to play on, a, on the big stage in, in 2018, I think it's the only thing we can really look forward to no major tournament this summer we've got a couple of friendlies coming up in the next few months maybe blood through young players and through in that but other than that we don't really have anything um to excite us so yeah i'm i'm clutching at straws and i'm, <laughs> and I'm excited for the nation's league <laughs> such a bleak picture you painted there i mean i suppose a lot of it is going to come down to literally the fir first games and it, like it's difficult to kind of ascertain in advance of the tournament how all of the countries are going to treat it like obviously it's an opportunity for a lot of the smaller nations in your leagues C and D to actually reach the Euros and it is an expanded tournament this time of course with 24 teams for the likes of Ireland look it's as you mentioned it's kind of a, another opportunity to get there if we fail in qualifying which is brilliant but um, I, I just I don't know what what do you make of I mean so they've brought it in largely to replace friendlies which have become kind of redundant a bit problematic but given what I suppose the grasp that club football has on the global sport now the money social media all sorts of things and the fact that we've seen for even since way beyond social media like for the last 20-30 years for friendly games you know club players will pull out with knocks and niggles and you'd question as to whether they're really hurt or just protecting themselves like what about the demands that this is going to place now on the modern player where already fixture lists are so congested, particularly in England? I know you've got a second competitive strain of games at international level. What do you make of that yeah. like from the player's perspective? Well, like you said, the, the top nations with the top players who are playing in, in the best clubs around Europe may may not take it as seriously as as the ones kind of further down, given the fact that they are probably likely to qualify anyway through through the qualifiers. You know, it's a second chance. So, for ourselves, for the the countries that are in around the kind of position that they may not qualify, yeah, it's the shit teams. Yeah, exactly. To be polite about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely a second chance. But we want to hear from you guys at home. Let us know your thoughts on the UEFA Nations League. Let us know how excited you are. I'm sure you're you're shaking there at home. Um, other topics as well. What do you make of Martin O'Neill's contract extension? Was it the right decision for you? Would you rather uh, go another with another uh, candidate, I suppose? I'm not sure if there were many, but uh, whatever you think, let us know. We will get to your comments here. Um, ben, I suppose if you look at the fixture list now for Ireland, the fixture list of actually, just in case people haven't seen it yet uh, you might give us um, the update there as to where we're playing and uh, when yeah so that's just come out in the last few minutes and we're kicking off on september the 6th back in cardiff away to wales before a double header at home with denmark on october 13th and wales on october 16th and we finish off in copenhagen on november 19th what do you make of the draw for ireland i think from what I gathered earlier, you weren't too impressed purely on the basis that we've just played those teams so recently and part of the reason for this tournament was 
so that you get the opportunity to play other teams competitively that you might not play ever. Yeah, the whole familiarity of it has not really done it for me. You know, I, I was kind of hoping we might get Northern Ireland. Would have been a tasty two-legged affair against them. Um, even someone like Slovakia, maybe. But the fact that we're playing the two nations who we've literally who we've played, played most recently, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to get up for. And uh, like, if you look at the Wales game, they may owe us one, I suppose, considering we went over to Cardiff and nicked a one-nil. Um, if you wanted to reverse that the other way, I suppose, and Martin O'Neill has suggested that revenge will be on the cards for Denmark, but whether we can actually go and, and do that is, is a, another thing. Can you see Neil Taylor making it out of the Aviva with both of his legs? Of course I can, yeah. We're not like that. No, no, not at all. I mean, there are like there are a couple of interesting narratives, um, for want of a better word, but like, you know, Ryan Giggs versus Roy Keane, if, if uh, Keane is still there at that point, <laughs> you know. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the revenge thing with, with both Denmark and ourselves and then Wales uh, wanting revenge against Ireland. Um, I I can understand how people would be a little bit frustrated given we have played these teams already uh, very recently, particularly getting absolutely spanked by Denmark. But I also think that if you look at the history of Irish football, like the our famous victories, or sorry, our, our kind of famous defeats linger for as long as our famous victories. Like they're the things we, we point back to. Like... I, if you know Macedonia games like this where this sort of ignominy of of an embarrassing defeat just lasts a long time and it's Cyprus. an opportunity Cyprus I mean San Marino was a victory but it was pathetic and we we mentioned it very regularly at least with this one it's like w- perhaps now it depends on what happens in the two games of course but if you can kind of do yourself justice against Denmark you know two years on not even from that 5-1 defeat maybe it puts it to bed a little bit under the same manager with roughly the same group of players otherwise I fear you get to a playoff and you know all the talk of Denmark comes back again and like maybe it's an opportunity to just brush the I don't know acrimonies into the last campaign under the carpet and move on yeah that's a good point and Surely Martin O'Neill couldn't be quite as naive as to go into the game as he did the second leg playing in the diamond giving Christian Eriksen so much room and space to go and score a hat-trick like he did. Um, in the first leg we were far more solid. We held him. Um, I know we were kind of trying our luck at times but surely at this point now he, he'll have a, a game plan to go out and, and not get tonked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have like, I mean... I, you're right I suppose we, we did afford Ericsson too much space in that game like he made the point in an interview he just did with Tony O'Donoghue from RTE that obviously Ireland were kind of forced to uh, move the ball around actually go looking for a goal uh, particularly in the second half of that game in Dublin in the second leg and he sort of blamed I guess Ireland's kind of expansive gung-ho approach for Ireland shipping five goals like it, it's funny because I think he has a point actually like I mean it, it, that you could plainly see that Ireland were, were a little bit more exposed as they chased goals and yet the public perception of that result will always just be a 5-1 hammering and I don't think we necessarily are going to get into the nitty gritty of it tactically every time when we're thinking of the defeat we just think that campaign ended in absolute and utter disaster and so here we are following we well what 10 days of kind of uncertainty regarding O'Neill's future the apathy towards him is glaring. Maybe an apathy slightly towards the team, although it's probably a little bit, un- you know, probably a little bit unfair on them, given they have obviously never stopped trying in in green. But it's difficult to know now. Like for fans at home, and again, we'd love to hear from you guys what you think. But like the UEFA Nations League, I don't think any country in the world is particularly excited by it. 
and for us in this at this juncture as an Irish football fan I don't know it's, it's I don't know what to make of it all like you know it, it's like yeah it's an opportunity a second opportunity for for us to get to the Euros but I just I just don't know how excited anybody is about this Irish team at the moment and I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to change under O'Neill, he might blood some young players in Turkey in a friendly, sure, but are they going to be starting competitive games? Maybe not. Maybe the UEFA Nations League will present him with the opportunity to actually play them in a, competi- in a competitive game. I think that's very much the case, um, particularly in the last couple of months when Martin O'Neill looked like he may go. It did feel like a natural kind of point for his term to end, for someone new to come in. It would have brought a bit of excitement had a new man come in and it's a fresh start and like you said young players coming through now with O'Neill still here and after the whole Stoke City fiasco I think there isn't uh, not a great feeling towards him at the moment so even if we do get a couple of bad results it'll easily turn and and the the atmosphere around the whole team will be extremely negative just on the interview that you mentioned there with Tony O'Donoghue as well O'Neill again was particularly petty and Unprofessional, I think, in my opinion, the, the, the way he kind of conducted himself when Tony O'Donoghue was asking fairly routine questions. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I'm watching it and I'm half seething, to be honest, because it just seems so pointless. Like, somebody made the point to us earlier that at a time when his stock in the eyes of Irish fans is so low, like, how about a bit, little bit of PR? You know, like, endear yourself slightly to the fans that are watching, particularly, I think this is going to be like, certainly part of that interview will be on RT News, it, it's on RT's Twitter account if you want to watch it at home uh, it, like, it's kind of four minutes of, you know like, bile, salt as, as the young people would say and like, needless as, as you mentioned, like very standard questions, O'Neill starts bringing into it like, well actually, if you look at my record at clubs and the perceptions that that clubs would have of his career how, uh, you know, qualifying for the Euros through the playoffs the last time and reaching the playoffs when we were fourth seed in the most recent campaign is this magnificent achievement. And and don't get me wrong, it is an achievement, but I also think, like, that is the least we should expect. Because the problem is, you can look at that record and say that's actually a solid returns for any Irish manager in, well, ever. And that's fair enough, but, like, the converse is like years and years of underachievement and just things going drastically wrong you know like it's it's if you're holding yourself to the kind of standard of the failed campaigns then you can easily say well look at me i'm I'm one of the greatest managers we've ever had fair enough but the, the fans expect that of every single manager to say to so to say like well look what i've done i think every everyone is kind of like well, well, yeah, that, that's what you were supposed to do. You know, it, it doesn't make you some sort of a saint and it doesn't make you immune to criticism whatsoever, particularly given the style of football we've been playing and how that bit us in the ass, basically, in, in that playoff against Denmark, you know. But, like, the interview that you mentioned there, why not, why not just be nice, be sound, do your job, be professional, speak to a journalist the way you would speak to any random person? For a man that's been so long in the game, you think... At this point, he wouldn't take things so personally. Like any sort of criticism, he kind of thinks it's a slate on him, on his playing career, on his managerial career. He's always uh, a couple of minutes away from basically getting his two European Cup medals and sticking them on the table and saying, "Show me yours," you know, mm. as he did with Patrick Vieira and Cam- uh, Fabian Ca- Fabio Cannavaro in yeah. the past. 
Yeah, Cannavaro, just the uh, just the Ballon d'Or for him. I mean, he was a real underachiever. Declan O'Sullivan on Facebook says, uh, I think that campaign was lost when we didn't win our first game. Uh, yeah, so like the World Cup qualifiers. And I completely agree with Declan. I was absolutely... I was furious when we drew with Serbia, given they were a team in complete disarray at that time. There was, what was it, like six, twelve thousand 12,000 people in the stadium in Belgrade, something like that. I think at that time there were more people watching the Belgrade basketball team than there were the Serbian national team. They were there for the taking, and yet we come away with a two-all draw saying, well, that's a great away draw because the Serbs are technically better than us. They're going to Eastern Europe, coming away with a point. But, you know, like it's easy to say that when, if you're to view it on paper or tradition or whatever, but that, given... The, the sort of pattern of that game and what was going on in Serbia, I thought it was an appalling result. And yes, it did bite us on the ass, Declan, towards the end. Uh, Mick on Twitter says, not sure I'm looking forward to playing Denmark again after getting such a bruising recently. Well, the good news, Mick, is that we don't play them in o- until October, so hopefully the bruises will have healed by then. I don't know. What are you thinking, I suppose, for, say, for the upcoming friendlies? Like... Obviously, we need to shuffle things around a little bit. We need to refresh the squad if if it's possible. Are there names that you'd be looking at that you'd like to see included and actually get a run out that you think O'Neill could embed into his squad for both the upcoming qualifiers and the UEFA Nations League? Yeah, I think, first of all, there's still major question marks over which of the more senior and experienced players are staying on and which are leaving. I suppose we haven't heard word at the moment, which means no one's retired. So I suppose you could take it as a given that that they'll all be there. But John between Walters uh, is probably yeah, the question mark yeah, at the moment John Walters, John O'Shea, you know, uh, Wes Houlihan is, is 35 as well. Although he's he's come to international football late on, so I wouldn't be surprised if he just wanted to hang around as long as possible. But um, yeah, there's a few players there. And um, in terms of who who could come in, we're not blessed with a huge amount of talent that's outside the squad um, <laughs> to all at this stage unfortunately but I know the big name probably on everyone's um, mind this season is Declan Rice to have a teenager playing in the Premier League and um, kind of acquitting himself so well he's he's a, he's a raw talent but he's definitely one that we, we need to uh, kind of get involved with the squad as soon as possible if not get capped you know so I'd bring him in for Turkey Um I know Michael Albafemi um, made his Premier League debut for Southampton uh, last weekend, but um, I think probably that's some way down the line, and we don't even know. He's an under-19 Ireland international, but he could yet um, decide to declare for, for Nigeria or England, so that, that seems a little bit up in the air. Other than that, Matt Dardy has been around the squads without being capped yet. He's... Um, He's been at Wolves for a number of years now and playing really well. And uh, playing Premier League next year. Yeah, well, they're they're flying. They're top of the league and they look they look like they're on the way to back to the top flight. So, um, I think he'd definitely be a worthy option to get in. And then further down, maybe the likes of kind of Preston lads like Alan Brown or Greg Cunningham is back fit. People like that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you reckon that? I don't know. For this campaign, and they're kind of two campaigns in a way, but like. Are we going to see anything different from Ireland, or is it just going to be the same Ireland, roughly? I, I mean, stylistically now that we've seen. Oh, I don't like that face, Ben. <laughs> I know what the answer is going to be, but it's just that I feel as though like there'll be an inertia to it, and we'll b- arrive at a similar juncture to where we were towards the end of that last World Cup qualifying campaign, where everybody's like, "Well, we know what's going to happen here. We're actually not good enough to play football, and therefore, eventually, we're going to be found out." Like. The problem with it is, and you mentioned you actually alluded to it earlier when you said it seemed like the natural, natural sort of get-off point for O'Neill, having 
been beaten in the playoffs to just step aside and maybe it was time for a change and we've seen so often like when you think of Mick McCarthy after the 2002 World Cup there was actually not necessarily any bad feelings towards him even after the whole Saipan thing because we'd performed capably in the World Cup and yet we get hammered in Moscow we lose at home to Switzerland and the fans are singing there's only one Kino after two qualifiers and we were gone and that was the Euros in Portugal over with so like I'm very fearful that we could be arriving at a similar juncture here yet the odds are stacked in our favour because it's a bigger tournament and there are two ways in now. So, geez, I don't know what to make of it all, Ben, to be honest. Um, to, to answer your first question, I don't... There was a lot of questions <laughs> yeah. in there and I'm sorry. It was more of a rant. Yeah, I got yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's going to be huge change. O'Neill isn't going to rip up the playbook and kind of start again, you know. Um, personally, you wouldn't mind kind of seeing maybe us try a, a 3-5-2 in the friendlies and kind of see how that works. You've lost uh, your mind, have you? Um, we, uh, a big... Um, huge kind of bonus for us as well is the fact that Seamus Coleman was back out on a pitch and playing football Great for the see. first time since he broke that double leg break uh, against Wales um, obviously it was only an Everton under 23 game but he's kind of on the road to recovery to full fitness at this stage on the latter stages of the road and hopefully he'll be back in the coming months and maybe get to run in the, in the friendlies on the flip side of that I suppose James McCarthy who's had rotten luck over a number of years now is is just starting his recovery from a similar injury. Yeah, it was a shame, and I know the two of them are very good friends. So obviously, Seamus Coleman will be there for uh, for James and and with them every step of the way. I'm sure. Uh, Dave O'Hannon has a question here. He says, uh, "So these are like friendly games then, or something?" Um, so obviously missed the uh, start of the video. Where were you, Dave? Uh, really? But um, just to fill Dave in, no, they're not friendlies. I mean, they're in in lieu of friendlies I guess in a way but they are competitive fixtures it is a route to the Euros uh, if Ireland should require it which more than likely we will I suppose but um, just and to give Dave a, a quick rundown again of, of the uh, not the whole format of the tournament but how we can make it in through the UEFA Nations League as opposed to qualifying we need to top our group which is alongside Wales and Denmark if we do that we qualify we go into a semi-final with the other oh, yeah. with the other League B winners Yes, sorry. And the so winner of that four gets league a place. Bs. Yeah. Stay with us now, Dave. Four four league Bs. If we top our league B, we go into a playoff system, semi-final kind of a system with the three other <laughs> three other league B winners. Yeah, losing it now. And the winner of that overall league yeah. B reaches the Euros. So, you know, it's not not to be sniffed at. Yeah, there's a lengthy explainer on the 42 there that we put up on Monday if if people are interested in the finer details. Yeah, I um I didn't read it carefully enough uh, by all accounts. Uh, well, Ben, it's been a pleasure. Well, actually, it's been largely terrible. I, I'm <laughs> I'm more pessimistic now than I've ever been. I think about Irish football, but uh, I enjoyed spending time with you anyway. Thank you. Yeah, it won't be for another while anyway. There's no games to talk about in terms of international, so. Thanks be, yourself, lucky. thanks be to God for that. Uh, cheers for tuning in, cheers for your comments. Uh, we'll speak to you on Friday for close calls, but until then, take care.